grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text chosen for our meditation is the epistle lesson for today from 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 to 19. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, dear Christian friends, I want to tell you a little story as I begin my sermon this morning. There was a wealthy Texan who gave special gifts to his father for Father's Day. And one year, he gave him lessons on hand gliding. Another year, the father received an entire collection of Slim Whitman's hits. But last spring, the rich Texan felt that he had to top all other years. And so he bought a rare kind of talking bird. Besides speaking in five languages, the bird also could sing the Yellow Rose of Texas while standing on one foot. That talented bird cost $10,000. But the Texan felt it was worth every penny of it, and his dad will never forget his Father's Day gift. About a week later, after Father's Day, he phoned his father, and he said, Dad, how did you like the bird? He said, fine. It was delicious. You see, the problem that you and I have with money is not with money itself. It is what we do with it. Like that rich Texan father with the bird, we fail to see all the possibilities to use the money in God-pleasing ways. Instead, we see money as something to consume. We learn that what we have missed, we realize that the problem of money is really isn't with money. It's with us. We're tempted to think that if only we had enough money, we could really live. In the words of St. Paul in the second half of verse 19 of our text, we see that money will make us able to take hold of life. That is truly life. But we leave out God in the picture. We're like that little girl who was given $2 by her father. And she was told that she could buy anything with that one dollar, so long as she gave the other dollar to Sunday school. And she nodded happily and started skipping towards the candy store and holding those two dollars tightly in her hand. But she tripped and she fell, and then the wind happened to blow one of the dollars into the storm drain in the curb. And the girl rose up at her feet, looked at that dollar still in her hand, and then looked at the storm draining and said, Well, Lord, there goes your dollar. You see, that little girl had the same attitude towards money which you and I often have. We see what money can buy for us, and it becomes more important than God. Usually our love for money isn't to hold or or brash, or isn't as bold or brash as this little girl's, but it's there. We We make money into a false god a little idol which becomes more and important than God, and that's sin. And it's foolish to depend on wealth in hope for in something uncertain. And that's why Paul wrote in verse 17 of our text, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant to put their hope in wealth. You see, riches are uncertain for two reasons. First of all, they want or they buy what they buy they think will bring happiness. 
Have you ever bought something like a CD or an expensive meal or a car that you thought you would be very happy and it didn't? I did. What money can buy can disappoint us. And secondly, wealth is uncertain because it doesn't last. When the stock market crashed in 1929, the newspapers carried the story of the following people who committed suicide because they were wiped out financially. Or think what happened to our stock market in 2008. Many of the 401ks and other, event, uh, 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 other investments were drastically reduced. You see, money can be stolen or it can be burned. It can be taken away by a lawsuit. And if we depend on wealth for, to provide hope for the future, we're foolish. But instead, Paul says in verse 17 that we are to place our hope not on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And what does God, and what does God give us? Everything. But everything starts with the cross, with Jesus, because God supplies all of our needs. Jesus came to pay the debt that we owed God because of our sinfulness. In Matthew's gospel, he recorded the Lord's Prayer. He uses the word debt, what we owe, to describe our sins. And those debts are like a big minus sign on our account at God's first bank of heaven. But Jesus comes through to put a big plus sign in the account by going to the cross, by putting his body and soul right in the middle of our negative, our minus sign. You see, Jesus makes our relationship with God positive. Our sins are forgiven. It's wiped out, and our debts are paid off. And when we acknowledge that in faith, we are empowered to use our resources to be rich in good deeds. In the Old Testament, it was demanded by God to give 10%. In the New Testament, we look at the cross. We look at the cross, what Jesus Christ has done for us, and that is what motivates our hearts to give to God. And you and I are called to be stewards or managers of wealth, but wait, you may be thinking, well, I'm not rich. No. You see, if you make more than $25,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of income in the world. In the eyes of billions of other people, we are rich. And that's what Paul is really talking about us when he urges us in verse 18, command those who are rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and ready to share. That's God's will. And it is also the way to be really rich, to be really blessed. And for people who are willing to share their wealth with others, money becomes a foundation for the future. And St. Paul writes in, in verse 19, in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as, as firm for the coming age, so that they will take hold of life that is truly life. It is, of course, true that we cannot buy our way into heaven, but, we are, but when we are cheerful givers, cheerful managers of what we like to call our money, 
then we are reflecting God's great gifts of love towards us. Then in the area of money and our other financial resources, we are bringing out the best, which is the theme of my sermon for today. You see, we can help by giving generously of our material wealth to support the mission endeavors both here and abroad. When individuals pool their financial resources with others, great things can happen for the Lord. Yes, in our congregation, we are in a time where we're experiencing some financial difficulty here in our congregation because of, of uh, uh, the uh, pandemic, etc. But we, of course, need to make sure that our giving is enough so that God's mission can continue here. In a little more than, well, I should say two weeks from today, we will be calling a new senior pastor. We need to make sure that he is properly supported. We also will be needed to make some, some great needed repairs to our church. And at the same time, we have to realize that we are not an island to ourselves. We need to look beyond our congregation to support the mission opportunities of our church elsewhere. And we encourage those who God has financially blessed to raise up to this challenge, to give generously to this wonderful opportunity that God has laid before us. We rejoice that the Heavenly Father has brought out the best by giving his son Jesus as our Savior. And so we respond by bringing out our best in ourselves by the way we manage our money. He has loaned this to us for this life. And when it comes to money, may we give the first fruits and not what's left over. Thus, the money problem has been solved because we can never outgive God. God always has a bigger shovel. Listen to what the prophet Malachi tells us. Well, man robbed God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and in your contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into this storehouse, and there, uh, that there be food in my house, and thereby put me, namely God, to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I rebuke, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not devour the fruits of your soil and, and your vine in the field that will not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. And then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. He will always bless us with blessings upon blessings because that's how our awesome God is. Amen.